Welcome to episode 7 of Honestly Unbalanced. This week with an awesome one, we chatted to Radhika Das, who is a back to yogi. If you've never heard of that, that's more the path of love and devotion. And he's also a Kirtan musician. He, uh, he actually helped set up and run uh, Kirtan London, a project which aims to make sacred mantra music accessible and relevant to a wider audience. Uh, and that includes schools, mental health institutions and through various outdoor events. Uh, when I first started chatting to Radhika, I I kind of resonated with him in a way I wasn't quite sure why. Uh, and actually this in-depth hour-long conversation confirmed that I love the guy. There is something about him that I really, uh, really do like. And Holly agrees. Uh, so we hope you enjoy this. So chances are a lot of you are practicing from home at the moment and maybe you could do the new yoga mat. Uh, I'm actually a Lifeform ambassador. I've used Lifeform for years, long before I was an ambassador. But I think they're the best yoga mats on the market. And using code AHUSTLER19, all caps, you can get 10% off their stuff. I get a little kickback too, which is much needed in these times. Uh, and Lifeform are actually supporting the yoga community in more ways than that. Over April, they're giving 100% of their profit directly to support yoga studios and yoga teachers through grants uh, there's more details on their website that's a hundred percent of their april profit they're giving back to the yoga community i think that's wonderful so have a little look get yourself a mat and uh, enjoy honestly unbalanced how would you kind of label yourself would you label yourself mainly as a, a kirtan performer a kirtan artist or something more than that a yoga practitioner if you were to give yourself a label, and you're not a noun, you're more than a noun, but if you had to give yourself a noun, what would that be? Oh, that's a really difficult one. I've never been asked that question. It's a good one to start with. Um, I'd probably say, from my side, I'm, I'm someone who's trying to become Das. My name, Radhika Das. Das means servant, someone mm. who's trying to serve. And so for me, Kirtan has not kind of ever been about the name and fame, even though that has somehow crept into it but has always been about how can I offer this as a service to others? How can I offer this as something that will transform people's lives? Mm. Um, and so even though like, it's got a negative connotation, when you say servant, people don't naturally think of something positive. No, but I think that's someone is like oppressing you. <laughs> right, right, right. Mm. And I think that's changing now, which is beautiful. Um, a lot of people are talking about saver and service and mm. this, this word is coming out a lot more. But I think for me, I want to be someone who's of service. Mm. I think that's how I'd and how had a thought. Yeah, no, 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 I did have a thought. With regards to Kirtan, how would you describe it? Like, I imagine a lot of our people listening might not have mm -hmm. any idea what this might be. So we're talking right. suddenly about this thing that is life-changing. Right, right, <laughs> what right. is it? So can I, as it, how would you describe what it is? Because I actually sometimes find it hard myself to describe exactly what it is. And I think also it gets uh, misrepresented. So it'd be nice to have your views on what you think it is. Well, this is a wonderful question. Um, kirtan has many different meanings. Um, people, when they think of kirtan, they think of people sitting on the floor, eyes closed or hands raised or dancing in mm. a room uh, to words or mantras that most people don't even know what they mean. <laughs> uh, so what does kirtan mean? Kirtan actually means, kirt means to glorify. Mm. And so who are we glorifying? What are we glorifying? Uh, it's the subject of the mantra. So say, for example, it's um, 
Om Namah Shivaya. So Kirtan is glorifying Shiva, but it doesn't necessarily have to do with only singing. So you could read something, you could speak something that's in glorification of Shiva, and that can also be Kirtan. So what people kind of commonly associate Kirtan with is mantra meditation. It's kind of sitting together in a, in a Sangha in, in association with one another and to chant names, to sing in a congregational way. Um, so I hope that gave some sort of insight, but there's so many broad meanings. I think if I were to sum it up in one word, I'd probably say Kirtan means to glorify. Mm. I was going to say, in terms of how you do it, so how mm. you do it and what you offer as a servant, how is it manifesting? Like what are you offering to, to the public? Is it like call and response in the format of, of people sitting? How are you actually offering it out there? Yeah, it's a call and response chanting. Um, it's done in a sort of uh, format of, like you mentioned, call where there's a lead person that's chanting the mantra for other people to listen to. Listen to. And then in response, as a group, um, everyone chants that same mantra in the same melody or sometimes harmonizes, as I'm sure Holly does all the time. Mm, I love um, a harmony. All together <laughs> in one voice. Yeah, everyone loves a harmony. <laughs> Can I ask then, you, you use the word glorify, and I think that this is sometimes where it gets a little bit sticky because for me, mm. when I sort of came into the Kirtan world, I've never been um, a religious person, but I think a lot of people can think of it as, oh, it's it's religious, it's glorifying something outside of us. I don't believe right. in God, so therefore it's not for me. And you'll have this barrier up immediately, um, which mm. maybe may I encountered a little bit when I, but then I experienced something completely different um, from my teacher who said, I'm not worshipping anyone outside of me. For me, it is about a connection with myself and it's about mm. connecting in with a group of people who are also connecting with themselves and therefore it leads to kind of a, a connection overall. And that was, well, so that was a completely different um, way of, of, of experiencing it in, for me. He so, calls himself like an agnostic yeah, <laughs> and that seems to be the opposite of what I initially thought it was. So right. what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I think that there's an element in that where I kind of do resonate with in that um, a lot of the chants that we chant, um, they have meanings which are deeper than just glorifying a person or a personality or a deity. Mm. There are intentions or moods attached to that name. Mm. For example, when people chant Hanuman, they chant, you know, the Hanuman Chalisa, that's become very popular. Krishna Das is chanting mm. that all over the world and I see it all over the place. Um, but that, in, this, in essence, is kind of a chant to glorify this mood of servitude. Or when you're chanting a, a chant of Ganesha, you're chanting a chant about uh, removing obstacles in one's life. Mm. You're trying to uh, clear the mind of obstacles. And so each chant has kind of this uh, underlying motivation, underlying uh, mood some have moods of gratitude, others of joy, others of humility. Mm. And so uh, it's an opportunity for us to connect with those different emotions. Mm. So oh, by understanding lovely. the meanings of the mantras, we're actually connecting with these different motivations. We're connecting with these different uh, meanings, which actually from the Vedic tradition, it's understood that these are all uh, innate within all of us. Mm. We're all Satchid Ananda. We're all full of bliss, all full of knowledge. But because of all these material coverings, somehow or the other, we've just been covered over. So, and so this chanting kind of awakens that within our hearts. It brings us to just being more conscious about it at the very basic level. That's such a lovely explanation. So almost like these um, gods or deities that um, some people might think of as, as outside of themselves, it's almost like glorifying parts of 
you, like aspects that exist within each and every one of us. And that's, I guess that's the beauty of kind of the Hindu deities. They're very real. Mm. They're very human, aren't they? And we can relate yeah. to them. We can pick out the qualities. Don't they experience jealousy and things like that? Indeed, Is that right? indeed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, and it's even just acknowledging like like we were speaking uh, in our Instagram conversation about how many people come to a kirtan or they come to a chant thinking that they're going to come out blissful, mm. floating off their seats with the clouds parting and the sun rays <laughs> and dancing on the yeah. foreheads. Um, but sometimes you have an experience where mm. it's bringing out kind of the the uh, the muddy water, yeah. the things that you want to suppress sometimes. And that's um, part. And of I the, think that that's mm. where it's also beautiful. It's part of the healing journey, isn't it? Going through the shadowy yeah. bits. Mm. How have you found yeah. that people in London have received it? Yeah. Like it's, well, how long have you been doing it for in London? So approximately 15 years. Oh, so a long, a long time. time. So before yeah. certainly it was a popular thing, as it were. Right. I think popular right, is certainly right. in some circles, as, but not as widespread as it is now. So, like how have you, how have you done, like how have you done it or like to actually make something that was so inaccessible mm. unlike let's say yoga which we talked about mm. earlier is very much people know how to work with their bodies so doing mm. some things that kind of look like stretching mm. isn't a big jump for people mm. but sitting in circles or in a community singing yeah. words i never have done is quite yeah right it's like whoa <laughs> it's quite scary that's a step thing. like how have you encouraged people to jump on board yeah. yeah i mean it's definitely true like if if you mentioned to someone that uh, I don't know, 50 years ago, if you told someone that I was going for a jog, they'd look at you a bit funny, like, who are you running from? Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, 20 years ago, if you started doing yoga 20 years ago, people would be like, well, why don't you just go for a jog? What's, what's wrong with the, yeah. the regular cardio? <laughs> and now people are turning to kirtan and mantra and chanting and they're like, well, what's wrong with just kind of doing yoga? Do you, why do you have yeah. to introduce chanting? But I think that at the very, very basic level, sounds and uh uh, definitely the sense of sound has such a profound effect on our consciousness, mm. our awareness. Mm. Like if you hear a song that's attributed to love or mm. a song that's attributed to anger or whatever it is, then just by that sound vibration, you're already in that kind of consciousness, that awareness. Mm. And so it's been beautiful to see this kind of lotus uh, unfold in London where people are looking for kirtan because um, I think at the very basic level, everyone loves sound they love music mm. like if, if you lost a sense and you lost your sense of sound for one day you'd realize oh my god like i just missed the sound of birds or mm. i just missed the sound of cars uh, and so people i think people love just making noise don't they well, you do. like, i like making do. noise yeah. you, and we don't get noise, don't that you? much of a chance to just be wild we're right. always around people in cities Composed. we're on the tube you can't yeah. shout we're putting on a mask and right. it's not directly comparable, but it is in a way. There is something called, have you heard of Masioki? It's, ka yeah, it's karaoke done en masse. Uh -huh. As in hundreds and hundreds of people singing with a band on the front, like just nutters, singing yeah. along to karaoke. Bon and it's so popular. Like tickets sell out so fast. I think people have this desire to be part of something mm. and actually yeah. sing with people. And there was something very deep in that, didn't there? So coming back to how how do you feel that you've made it accessible then for people? Oh, yeah. yeah how, we sort of went off on a tangent there, but I'm interested in How did you get people yeah, to come along in the first yeah. place? So the first kirtan that I ever did, um, I didn't know how to play any instruments. I, I used to play the piano as a child. Mm. So transferring to a harmonium was relatively easy, but yeah. it did take some time. Um, but I noticed that there was definitely a barrier to entry. Like people did feel kind of, 
oh, I'm not, I'm, I'm into chanting, I don't know, or singing Michael Jackson songs, but to chant something that is in a different language, how do you even mm. get people to start doing that? And I think it's just a case of starting with the very basic like syllables, like om. Like that's very easy. If you just tell mm. someone to sit in a room and chant om, they're not going to have any kind of resistance to yeah. it. But then as soon as you explain what does om mean and what does that atmosphere bring with it, people are more inclined. And then mm. as you add slowly, slowly, like I didn't immediately go into mantras that was super complex, but ram, sita, ram, mm. sita, ram. Mm. So it's short syllables. And then as you chant slowly, you add the meaning to the mantra, you add some mood to the mantra, you, you fill it. It's almost like a coloring book. You're slowly adding mm. different flavors. Oh, that's lovely. And that once people too. can enter into that space without the barriers and you can kind of make it accessible for people, mm. then I think uh, it's very easy to go from dipping a toe to just dumping, you know, jumping straight into mm. that lake and mm. then experiencing the bliss that's waiting for you. Yeah. What kind of people did you attract initially? What were you mm, trying to attract? What was the demographic? I had no idea. I mean, when I first started in Kirtan, it was anyone and anyone that comes in through the door. I'm just going <laughs> to treat them like, with the utmost respect because I can understand this is totally wild in mm. one sense. Um, but just completely different walks of life from corporate world all the oh, way really? down to people that were working in restaurants, all the way down to people that were kind of working in labor and construction it was so wide spectrum mm. that I just couldn't tell who's going to come any week. Amazing. And it grew from having like five or 10 people in a room to 500. And it just happened almost like in a blink of an eye. Um, yeah. Word travels fast. And is this kind of your career now, as it were? This is... That's a really good question. Mm. Yeah. It, it's not actually my career. And that makes it more beautiful for me it because <laughs> it makes it less about what's in my pocket. And so when mm. I do these kirtan events and they don't return a single penny and if, if I'm in a loss, I'm st totally chill with that. Mm. <laughs> um, it makes it more of, like I was saying, that servant mood, that service mood. Mm. It makes it more beautiful for me. It's I feel it makes it more purpose. genuine offering for me anyway. It makes yeah. it more genuine offering that I want to do this because I want to do it. But I think that's something so common in just general wellness, health or well-being yeah. or spiritual uh, endeavors that when someone wants to share it, the moment it turns into how they put bread on the table, it mm. can become something very, very different. Mm. Uh, yeah, so some, sometimes people go into it for that reason, thinking they're going to do a career mm. change, which I think is never ideal. But some right. people go into it because they do want to share and it just be naturally somehow evolves into their, their career. And it, mm. it, yeah, it really changes it. And it's, uh, I see many people become very disenchanted with the thing that they're supposed to love. <laughs> Solely yeah. because they've made it, made it their career. Yeah. Did you, did you, nice. did you ever um, think it could be career? Was that ever like, or oh, maybe I can do this full time as it were? Yeah, I think I'm blessed in the sense that my current situation is that my family business has taken off in a way where I've been allowed the space and the time to be able to develop this mm -hmm. as an offering of service. What's your family um, business? Sorry. It's in property. Okay. So completely yeah. different. Yeah completely different right. world mm. um when i first started working i was a mortgage broker oh. uh, i even worked at rbs in corporate finance wow. so completely different world mm. and that almost pushed me in the total opposite direction mm. um and i think for me it's, it's this whole thing about starting with why simon sinek writes that book start yeah. with why and i think that if one can cultivate uh, an energy of uh, humility of the right kind of attitude then you can see yourself doing it for a long time mm. Whereas if it becomes too much about the, the money, 
in my opinion. Mm. I think that very soon you're going to see people changing their offerings. Mm -hmm. And so that's why even from if you listen to a recording of mine from 10 years ago, it's pretty much exactly the same in terms of the offering. Mm. And people are like, don't you get bored? I'm like, no, it's a totally different experience each time. Mm. And uh, I love what I do when it's an offering of service. That How way. did you get into Kirtan then? Did, did, did you go through some kind of experience that where you, it changed your life or how, how, would, how did it come into your life initially? Yeah, so um, about 15 years ago, I was sitting at the back of a Kirtan and uh, this was something that was dragged into by a good friend, Jay Shetty. Mm. Oh, okay, and yeah. Yeah, yeah, he joined, he, he kind of pulled me by the arm and he said, why don't you come on this retreat? They're doing mantra and yoga and, you know, mindful seminars. And I was like, yeah, mate, it's a load of baloney. Like, I'm not really interested. <laughs> Were you not this um, way at all then? Were you just kind of no, the opposite? No, like I was, I was complete kind of, yeah, Friday night loving, Saturday night loving, Monday night loving, Tuesday mm. night loving, yeah. night loving kind of guy. <laughs> okay. And, um, yeah, I, I took his word on it. I said, look, we're good friends, so I'll, I'll join you for this one. Mm. And I sat at the back of the kirtan and I saw people chanting. I was like, this is weird. Like, <laughs> men don't sing. Why are people like eyes closed? Like, this is really weird. And by the end of it, I found myself dancing with both hands in the air. <laughs> like, I don't care. Love and it. I thought, okay, something happened there. Mm. It's like this moment of kind of a sparking moment where I was like, I need to figure out what the hell that was. Wow. And so I went up to the uh, Kirtan leader, the, the Swami that was leading the chant, and I just said, what the hell did you just do? Like, mm -hmm. what was that? And I remember, I'll never forget, he just smiled at me and he said, uh, stay with it and you'll find out. Oh. And oh, even nice. after all these years, I'm still thankful that he didn't say anything that was too kind of heavy with me or too philosophical. He just said, just stay with it and it's you'll find out right yourself. It's the right thing, yeah. And uh, here I am 15 years later, sharing it in front of a crowd as opposed to behind it. And did you ever, when you decided you wanted to share this with people, did you ever doubt that it was, you know, did you ever think, oh no, I don't think people are going to receive this well? Did you ever kind of backtrack and think, oh no, I'll just stick with being a mortgage broker? Or, or even doubt yourself <laughs> with an yeah. extension on that, as in, yeah. you weren't, you know, a swami. <laughs> yeah, you yeah, weren't yeah, yeah. in a position a to, that, that like, did you, did, did you ever consider, yeah, like, who am I to be giving this teaching? Mm. I'm playing really? devil's advocate there. <laughs> Fully, fully. I'm a big believer in this uh, phrase that if you want to see something in fruition, live the small dream first. Oh, and what do I mean nice. by that? That if you want to share, okay, I don't know, your, your talent in the yoga sphere, then first teach one lesson to a family member. Live mm. the small dream first, just to see what it's like to taste it. Mm. And so when I was at university, I decided I'd start a session. And it was a free session. I handed out flyers in the cold with my now wife. We were boyfriend, girlfriend at the time. Oh. And uh, she was like, well, what do we do? And I just said, I don't know, just, just hand out the fly and see what happens. <laughs> and then I still remember Tuesday night, seven o'clock, 150 people turned up. No. What? No, no joke, no joke. You can, I mean, anyone that knows me can vouch for it. What, what city, was, what city was this? This was in Leicester. What did you put on the flyer? What yeah. was on the flyer? Did you like offer 10 free drinks or something? It's, no, 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 it was, I mean, there was free food. Um, <laughs> there we go. I did say, um, <laughs> The, the flyer had a question on it. It said, what would you do if you had 24 hours to live? <gasps> Powerful. And then at the bottom of the flyer, it said free mantra, free meditation, free food. But do you think Amazing. people even knew what mantra was or no? No, I don't think anyone knew. No. And I, I had to like really break it down, like really like kind of. 150, yeah. that's incredible. <laughs> yeah, and that was a small dream for me, even that's though amazing. it doesn't sound so small. And like, how did you hold hold the space? Like, did you have any background in like performing or anything? That's, oh, that's a big, a big audience, isn't it? 
I did not. I expected honestly. I expected just like my flatmates to turn up. <laughs> but I was tripping when 150 people came. Wow. And then I thought the next week I was like, nah, you know, no one's gonna have enjoyed that. So let's cut the free food for one week and see if actually people turn up. Yeah. And then for the next three years while I was at uni, every single week, and I did it at two universities. I did it at Leicester University and Demotford University, two sessions a week, and it was packed. And so then wow. I thought, okay, I need to continue doing this. Like it just. And has it always yeah. been gone got that way? There must have been times when it wasn't oh, so yeah, sure. successful. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's been moments where I've done a session where like three people have turned up and I'm like, should we just pack up and go home? Right. Um, but in those moments, it's then about like um, going inward, going deeper with mm. your own kind of um, absorption, I'd like to say. Mm. Like it's, it's more about, then it becomes more about the why. Mm-hmm. When it, when there's a hundred people looking back at you, then it's really easy to kind of put on the show and yeah, smile yeah. and explain course, everything yeah. charismatically. But when there's three people, then you kind of have to go back to the basics of mm. what is it that you, why is it that you really want to share this? Mm-hmm. And that's um, that's where really, so we carry on. Yeah, no, and and it's been a learning curve. Um, I'm I'm now slowly trying to understand, you know, Londoners in a better way. Um, but yeah, I really enjoy the process. I mean. I really wish I had a failure story to tell you guys. And I really wish there was kind of like a huge moment where a crisis of mantra wasn't my thing. But for the last 15 years, it's completely like just absorbed my life and I love it. But how have you, what was your coping strategy? Like, because of course, when you created the events that maybe three people turned up to. Yeah. And of yeah, course, yeah. You've, you've put aside time, you've booked a venue. You might have invested money mm. in it. You, you, know, you, you wanted it to mm. succeed, as it were. Like, how have you dealt with that mentally? Like, what has been your strategy? You thinking, you know what? It's okay. It's good. Yeah, I think I always go back to this uh, saying by the Dalai Lama, that if you want to understand how small impact can still have ripples, try to understand the uh, impact a mosquito mosquito can have mm-hmm. in a bedroom night. Yeah, I heard this one. And just that one saying has always echoed in my mind that, okay, there might be one person in this room right now, there might be three, there might be a hundred, there might Mm. be five hundred, whatever it is. Um, But who knows who those people are, who those people are. Like, Mm -hmm. for example, that one kirtan I did where there were three people, one of the three people was a huge art exhibition owner. Mm. And she connected me up with this huge gig where there were tons of people that came Mm. in a church for three hours. And I was Mm. like, how the hell did that happen? Amazing. Um, Or another one was like, yeah. That little quote is kind of an anchor for you. Yeah, When these moments happen, you can just kind of find that grip hold of it. It's like your why almost, I guess. It's like an anchor you can keep coming back to 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 remind yourself why you're doing it. Nothing I, is ever too small. No, no. no service is ever too small. No I, art of nothing that you can invest your time in giving is ever worthless. It's always hmm. going to have an impact. If nothing else, you're just going to learn from it. You're going to learn, you're okay, s- we could have marketed it like this or yeah. we could have done this differently, etc. When you're so committed to something and you so believe in what you're doing and your purpose, I guess that your perception of failure changes anyway so any obstacles that come in your way you, you don't mm. think you don't get so downtrodden by it because you think you have such a strong belief in it that it's like I'm just going to move past this um in some way so maybe you have experienced failures that other people would consider failures but in your head it's like this is my purpose I'm going for it mm. move out of my way we, yeah don't get me wrong if it was continuously like wasn't having any impact and I felt like it was going south and yeah it just wasn't really touching me it wasn't inspiring me 
Um, then that, you know, that famous quote by Albert Einstein, that if you're doing the same thing again and again, uh, yeah. <laughs> expecting different results, yeah. and that's the definition of insanity. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I'm at a place right now where everything seems to be working. Mm. I'm just refining it as I go along, see what lessons come from it. And yeah, yeah so what, far so good. What kind of feedback have you had on the journey from different people? Have you had like positive, negative, mixed, or how have you kind of dealt with... I'm sure there's some people who've come to come and who are like, what on earth with that? Yeah, fully. Like, how would you respond to this? Um, it's a pinch of salt kind of thing mm, where nice. if someone has a bad experience, it could have been for a number of things. Like mm. it could have been the space. It could have been the mantras that you chanted on that particular day. It could have been the musical accompaniment. It could have been that they were sitting too close to a speaker. It could have been a number of things. So you just got to take mm -hmm. kind of the pinch of salt and see where the truth was and what you can do to uh, adapt it. Mm. I think that's um, so valid. That's just such a lovely way to look at it. And then yeah, and yeah. actually thinking who is giving that feedback? Where, right. are they, where are they coming from in that moment? And I always right. say this, like if, if a typical student comes to my class and gives feedback afterwards, mm. anonymously or through some kind of system, mm. I'll, I'll read it, but I'm not going to take it to heart. Right. If my teacher came, <laughs> right. then I'm You'd okay, fine. Or if people gave the same feedback every single session and it was consistent. Right. But if it's just one person giving feedback, I'm like, well, they maybe had a bad day. You know, there were so yeah. many potential variables. Maybe I reminded them of their ex. You know, God knows. <laughs> God knows what could be going on for that person <laughs> in that moment. And I think you, you can't attach too much to it. Yeah. Having said that, though, I mean, it's like you said, if something keeps repeating, like I used to do this one thing where um, at the beginning of the session, I used to say, OK, so we're going to try and call, call and response fashion. So that means first I'll sing in my frog like voice and then in response, you'll sing uh, nice and sweetly. Yeah. And um, the feedback that kept coming back is, Radhika, you don't have a froggy voice. Stop saying that. <laughs> oh, no, you would so then after about the voice be? Like, nah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I believe I've got a bit of a froggy voice. So that was a um, bit of like, you were like, oh, don't look at me. Don't look at me. And then you just yeah. belted out this beautiful song. Yeah, like Mariah Carey style. It was like style. Fake, fake humility. And yeah. So I, <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's, that's a load of crap. Like, I need to make sure I can't, I can't be too dis, disingenuous. Oh, what's the word? I can't be too um, up myself to try and oh. be uh, fake, hu fake humble, fake, you know. Yeah. No, there's nothing worse than that. Uh, I don't think. And actually being authentic, I think, is such a valuable tool. Oh, yes. Yeah, and I think often mm. in this, in, in wellness or in yoga, people try and just completely emulate their teachers. They try and just parrot their yeah, teachers right. or be what they believe a yoga person should be. And I'll use the example of when I first started teaching, I did the mm. whole man burn, mala beads, wear a vest, is be nice look? to people, say namaste all the time. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, I, I did that, I did that for, for a little while and became that person. Uh, yeah. and, but I think that people don't resonate with that. No matter they how good you are no. with it, no matter how good you are at the performance of that, it doesn't draw people in. Whereas I think if right. you have your authentic voice and your crap right. jokes, whatever they people might be. People can right. feel it, can't they, when you're being authentic? Yeah. Like mm. I'm totally not what the kirtan scene is kind of stereotypically about. Like I'm not kind of, yeah, the silky smooth voiced guy that, you know, a lot of the kirtan artists are out there or I'm not kind of the, um, the guy that strings sentences together, like, a, you know, pearls on a string. I'm not mm -hmm. that kind of guy. I, I sometimes mess up and people like that. And 
has, I think that's that's what you got to go with. Just go yeah. with what your strengths are. Has that ever bothered you? Um, I think it did at the beginning because yeah. I was like Adam was saying, I was trying to copy someone else or I was trying to be like someone else. Yeah. Um, but then I think there comes a time for every single person where you kind of like, you know what? Can't be bothered with it. If it's not meant to be in my way, then it's not meant to be. Yeah. So we had I'll this. Try and just you know. We had this chat with the last podcaster actually, and exactly the same thing. Mm. You know, we all go through this stage of trying to be someone different, and it seems like mm. it's just part of the evolutionary process to becoming who we're supposed to be. And do we actually even want to bypass that? Because if you don't, if you're not pretending to be someone else, then can you actually discover who you really are without going through that first? If that makes sense. Yeah. Right. So maybe right. it's just I think you one do of those. need to go through that. Yeah, I think you, you do, do as well. Self-discovery. Yeah, lose yourself a few times to really find who you really? who you truly are. So, what are. what has been your biggest on that now? What's been your biggest learning from that from your from your fifteen years of doing this about yourself? Mm, that's a really good question. What's been my biggest learning? It's difficult to say the biggest. Um, I think or a significant one of the mm. lessons that's a significant lesson that uh, <laughs> I think is really um, put you on the spot. I think for me, it's always been a case of understanding that beyond this body, um, there is still eternity that um, I think over the 15 years, I've seen myself go from boyhood to man. Well, I don't know if you can call it manhood, mm -hmm. but um, adulthood and um, good film. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I feel like I've understood the non-permanence or yeah the temporary nature of of life mm. um i feel like i've uh learned or i'm learning the the lesson that i'm not this body i'm, I'm going to eventually change from this body mm. um you know i'm a big believer that there's an afterlife that you know there's going to be another body waiting for me in the end of the end of the tunnel um, and so, yeah, I've really learned this or try, I'm still learning it. I want to try and be fake humble here. I'm still trying to learn mm -hmm. it. Yeah. Um, Have you yeah, always believed that? Is, uh, or is that something that you've, think, yeah. Yeah. From a young age, I do remember kind of thinking to myself that this can't be all that there is. Mm. And, um, in my teenage years, I kind of dismissed it and I was like, nah, FOMO, I mean, what's, what's the word? YOLO. YOLO. Both. YOLO. But maybe I mean, not. I, I tried to enjoy life that way and I felt just totally frustrated. Yeah. That, you know, the temporary nature of happiness kind of just kept slamming me face first. Mm. Um, and I think Kirtan, this, this Bhakti community that we have in London has really kind of taught me that there's more to this just one life. Mm. So I think that's been the biggest lesson for me. I'm with you on that. And how how would you find that manifests or in your business sense, whether that be the business of your family business or the business of kind of mm -hmm. trying to build successful commercial Kirtan events? How does, does that learning kind of uh, yeah, integrate with that? It helps me to just give up the attachment of the result of how things happen. Mm which is that if something is non-permanent, if you understand the material nature is temporary, that everything's gonna pass, all things must pass. Mm. If you just get to that understanding, then you feel so so much more relaxed about life in general. Mm. You just understand, you come to this understanding that, okay, fine, today's been a bum day, I haven't earned anything, or you know, there's been this issue with my, my kirtan event, then 
it is what it is. Like I, I distinctly remember on New Year's Eve, this is our biggest gig we have um, on New Year's Eve, where people come from 10 o'clock and stay till two in the morning to do kirtan. Mm. And so on New Year's Eve, everyone's hyped. Everyone wants a super good experience. Everyone wants to be, you know, yeah, living on cloud nine by the end of the kirtan. And in the first 10 minutes, the sound system just shut down. <laughs> oh, and, what, and, what, and then what first happened? 10 minutes. And this is like, you're trying to set the intention. You're trying to set the mood. And the thing wasn't working. And I was like, I'm not a sound technician, so I don't know what the hell is going to happen. So the guy next to me, um, a good friend, he just turned, he leaned in, he said, Radhika, what did we do? And I just uh, said, pray until something happens because it's not in our, it's not in our control. Like, <laughs> it could be anything. And then immediately, as soon as I kind of, let that go mm -hmm. that, that you know just that temporary anxiety it just kind of like this is temporary it'll fix itself someone will get their hand stuck in there if it's not kind of the owner of the venue someone will be a technician in this 300 400 people that's here <laughs> and within like two minutes of me kind of letting it go immediately the sound came back on mm. and so yeah it's, it's it sounds like a miracle story and it sounds like i'm just making it up for you know, people to be like wow yeah whatever but um, I've seen it time and time again. That, yeah. yeah, this pray until something happens, push, you know, pray until something happens. And yeah, the, the non-permanent, the temporary stuff slowly just ebbs away. Do you think things like this happen then to, to teach you lessons and you can either kind of 100%. see them or not? Yeah. 100%. Yeah. My biggest philosophy is that nothing happens by chance. I'm, I'm with you completely. Mm. And I, I think it's so refreshing to hear that point of view because I think when people change to an industry that they enjoy or try and do some work mm. in an industry they enjoy, especially mm. in big cities, we get so mm. attached to objective success. Like, I need to succeed. Yeah. What is the next step? What mm. is the next project? What can I mm. release next? What are the competitors doing? And it completely distorts it, doesn't it? Yeah. And to be able yeah. to let go to that degree, yeah. I think can be... It can be such a marvellous, such a marvellous really tool. really difficult thing to do though. It's, it's all very well kind of saying the words, you know, this too shall yeah, pass, yeah, yeah. let it go. And you can say it till you're blue in the face, but it's really embodying it and feeling it in your bones. Yeah. So do you yeah. have any tools that, that um, have got you to that point? Or is it like, it's always been a natural kind of instinctive knowing for you? Or like, have you meditated? Has it been Kirtan that's helped you yeah, that's kind of question. feel into these lessons? Or um, I mean, don't get me wrong, guys. Like the hustle, I mean, Pardon the... Uh, the pun. <laughs> we take it. But the hustle is so important. So the grind, you need to put the time in. You've got to put the work in. You've got mm. to make sure that you're putting your 100% in mm. to making sure that, you know, the event's looking on point. The media, like what you guys do, I was saying to you guys before this went on recording, everything looks polished. Everything mm. looks really on point from mm. the flyer all the way down to the sound quality on your podcast to everything that looks on your Instagram. It just looks so, so clean, neat, tidy, polished. Mm -hmm. So you can see that you guys have put the hustle in. Yeah. in the hustle into the it's hustle in the name. So, um, but like, you've yeah, got like, so you you've got an app in. and everything haven't you i think you've got an app yeah you're See, i mean that's that's yeah that just kind of came by chance again it's like we we did a kirtan this guy came up to me he's like i'd love to do an app for you and i said okay we don't have any money and he said i'll do it for free amazing like, sweet you are meant to be this, doing this, is, this aren't you yeah, this yeah. is your part yeah, i think that that's what it's meant to be you've got yeah. to put the graft in like yeah. you know i'm doing kirtan every night of the week almost now yeah. oh yeah, yeah. Every, well night. every different yeah trying to do ev as much as you can so and that, it's difficult to promote everything but yeah this is interesting yeah. to hear like actually what your life looks like so mm. you have you work kind of full-time i guess family business that's significant time, hours yeah. probably a little yeah. bit of flexibility within that i flexibility, guess <laughs> yeah. it's family you get a bit of flex you have dance. you have your wife yeah children yeah, yeah. are children involved 
Not yet. So you have to make, but you have to make time for your wife, of course. You still have to have. And want to. And want to. Love languages is is quality time. So exactly. And you're doing, and you're doing these kirtan every night. Yeah. Traveling around, I presume, as well as that, and the promotion, and the app, and all the management of that. Like that's that's significant, and you don't necessarily see that on the surface. What you see is you at the front leading this magical thing (laughs) you're the wizard or the frog yeah Yeah, the wizard or the frog one of the the two at the front so like like do you fit and this is 15 years in yeah so you've talk us through like the sacrifices you've made and what why you've made them wow yeah i mean sacrifice is natural with any offering um and I think that we always only see the peak of the mountain. Like there's this awesome picture where there's like this mountaintop and then underneath it, there's a lake. And then underneath the lake, there's this huge kind of root or like this glacier underneath it, mm. which is showing you only see the top of the mountain. You only mm. see the, the end result. Mm. Um, so sacrifice is always going to be there. And I think the, the one sacrifice that's always been the biggest for me to handle is not having time to uh, sometimes just downtime. Yeah. But then, you know, having said that, on my honeymoon, we went to Morocco mm. and I did the full, you know, the full whammy. I, I got the uh, five star suite. We did, you know, we spent the you know, thousands of thousands of pounds to make sure it was a really, really nice honeymoon. Nice. And after the first day, my wife and I, we looked at each other and we said, well, what do we do now? <sighs> and so for me, it's always kind of been that because I love it so much and because I genuinely love it, mm. I can't see myself being any other way. Mm. Yeah. And so that's what keeps me kind of beyond the, the family business. That's what keeps me alive. Um, like I kind of look forward to the moment where all the banks are closed, all the property issues are finished. I can jump in the car, get the harmonium in there mm. and just go for it. Cause that's where I come wow. alive almost at night. And is your, is your wife involved in it as well? Yeah. Is, she, is she in the community? Yeah. As well? Oh yeah. So, She's really, really shy. So I'm the extrovert. She's the introvert. Cool. And What's she's her role? really, she's helped with kind of all the social media stuff. Yeah. She's helped with kind of uh, all the kind of venue talks, the uh, online content that I do. She kind of helps me do all the, the bits that I drop at the end of the day. <laughs> uh, Team. Yeah. And honestly, I don't think I could do it without her. If she, uh, for whatever reason, I pray to God that that doesn't happen, leaves me, uh, I oh. probably struggle to do half the stuff that I do. Oh, that's sweet. And um, I mean, I'll never tell her. I mean, it's not that I won't ever tell her to her face, but I'm quite shy to express my love that way. Um, but I, I'm sure she'll hear this recording. And, and if <laughs> you do, maybe, thank you so much. I oh, really appreciate it. Oh, that's so lovely. Oh, I'm going to cry. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So what about life before Kirtan then? Because you seem so bloody happy. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I, I'd say less. I think happy, but also just like content. Yeah, yeah, peaceful, Calm, uh, yeah, balanced. Exactly. What about life before Kirtan? Life before Kirtan, I was a frustrated teenager that um, was sick. Because I mean, I I've always look, kind of looked older than my age, and so uh, the whole clubbing scene. Um, I got a fake ID when I was eleven. Back in the day, when <gasps> eleven, I, eleven. Yeah. Oh, oh my so god. So I was uh, going to ministry at the age of kind of twelve. Twelve. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Shocking. I mean, if I showed you pictures of me at 12, you wouldn't believe I'm 12. Even now, how, how old do you think I am right now? I would say oh. 34. He's 70. <laughs> I'm 29 yeah. at the moment. Oh, it's a beard yeah. though. The beard, uh, the, the beard. beard uh, yeah. 29. Oh my beard. God, you're so young. See, that's not, that's not a fair, yeah. that's not a fair test. 
facial mm-hmm. hair makes <laughs> you've got some kind of secret <laughs> it's going great easy. guys but um <laughs> welcome yeah, no, to my world <laughs> before kids and i was just waiting for something to come to my life where i felt happy oh, because, oh you're um, waiting okay i remember like after nights out i'd sit with all the guys and be like do you guys ever think about anything deeper than just kind of wine and women and they just told me to shut up and, and leave it for now. <laughs> you just don't say that as a teenager do you no you no, don't no. what, what, so te- what teenager the drinking wine <laughs> actually that's quite sophisticated yeah that's very sophisticated I mean, you guys must remember like the fake id days right oh yeah i was, quite I was a doing it at 17 not I, 11 i did the whole like i went to kind of like i got an assisted place at a private boys school for most and i was kind of i was from the rough area of birmingham yeah, and, so, yeah. and actually so i didn't actually interact a lot with mm, the group you're quite sheltered so in, in, right. my, in my rough area i was a weird boy that went to a posh school and in oh. my posh school i was a kind of the like guy that wasn't from all the posh areas mm. so, I had, I, so i had quite you're like a, a, weird space. a sheltered existence oh, i'll interview you next and we can talk about your unbalanced <laughs> life <laughs> yeah, no, indeed, indeed. right so you were asking Private schools are really that kind of that space though right like that's where people have the money to, to kind of enjoy life and so yeah, I went yeah. to private school myself, so I know exactly what it's, the world that you're talking it's about. A, it's an, yeah, it's an interesting one, but that's a side story. That's a side note. Yeah. <laughs> I see. You've always been a curious, a, a curious one, asking the big questions. Yeah. A bit weird. Uh, oh my god! Sorry, our so cat's going our, mental. Our cat. We've got a new kitten <laughs> for anyone. Some of you on social media might be aware of this. She's currently got the zoomies. She's just gone mad. And she, she's just oh my god! What's she right, doing? She's just hunting wires. So we're in the middle of the kind of coronavirus period. So we're doing all of our podcasts not in person, which isn't our preference. Uh, yeah. So we're doing it from home. And then oh, we I have... can see her. You can see her. Going absolutely mental. Yeah. We yeah. probably are a little Do you girl. have pets? As a side note. No, I don't. No, I don't. Mm. I once had a fish called Zippy. And that was it. She jumped out of a, she jumped out of a bowl after a few days. She was a circus goldfish. Oh, yeah, she wanted to be back Zippy. in the circus. Oh, right, dear. question. Mo- moving on. Moving on from yes. that. Like how, like how, uh, like how would you? Let, actually, let me change direction slightly. Like, what is success for you? Mm. Like, what is success? Mm. What is success? I'd probably say living a life where I feel satisfied with my offering to others. And satisfied with who I am as a person. Lovely. Are you there? No. Okay. I think that I need to refine my offering a way, way, way more. And as a person, I feel that I still struggle with, uh, yeah, just the normal stuff. The ego, the, uh, the greed, the lust. Everything mm. is still there in the heart. But... Um, I think I, I have faith in the process that I'm on. Mm. I feel like I have faith in the journey I'm on that will cleanse the kind of the mirror of the heart to one day reveal all these things to me. But mm. do you so, think you'll ever be successful? Do you think that's a state that you will find yourself in and be ever, ever able to think I have succeeded? Yeah, that's a good question. I think that success um, for me anyway is going to be always thinking that I can do better always thinking that the offering can be better, always thinking that I as a person can be better. Mm. Um, because I think that there's never going to, I think like life is like, um, oh, it's difficult on a podcast, but life is like this, always up and down like a wave. Yeah. Indeed. Right. And it's always kind of moments of success, 
you know, mm-hmm. lack of success, success, lack of mm-hmm. success, lack, you know, et cetera, et cetera, wave, um, peaks and troughs. Yeah. And if life ever gets to this point where it's just a line, then for me, that's just dead. You yeah. know, like when you see on, on a cardiograph, mm. the line that just yeah. symbolizes nothing that's living, nothing that's moving. And so I think that this is part of the ride, the up and down, the peaks and the troughs. Yeah. Um, and I think that if, if we kind of get too hung up on trying to be in this constant state of success or I've made it, then I think we're just going to get bored, in, yeah. in my opinion. We'd I think create that most our people... own problems as well if we ever yeah, got to exactly. that point. We'd create something else to worry about, something else well, to moan co- about. And often uh, I think there's a, a philosophical school that refers to it as hedonic adaptation mm. in that you know, you'll, you'll, you'll want something, you'll achieve it. Mm. and then your hedonism changes and then you you Mm. change what you want and then that will always just continue and you Mm. just want more and more and more and more so i always found the idea of success quite hard uh to even capture i think it's it's less of a state but more a direction or Mm. a motivation perhaps is, is is a way to consider it uh there's that one story that comes to mind that you know there's this one uh person in the kingdom he wants to see gold and so he goes to the king and he says, my dear king, can you show me some gold? And so the king says, yeah, you just need to climb these stairs that are conveniently <laughs> there. Climb the stairs and at the top of the stairs, you'll find a bowl. And inside the bowl, there's going to be a clump of gold. And so this guy, he runs up the stairs, gets breathless, but remembers he really wants to see this gold. Yeah. So he's like pacing up, pacing up, pacing up, gets to the bowl, looks inside and does a double take. And he looks back and all the steps were golden as well. And so you know, the point is that, you know, we're not kind of, even though I speak about success as being this place of, you know, offering something that's really beautiful and, and being a person that I feel is refined, etc. I think that the beauty is also in the process, in the journey as well. Absolutely. I love that. That's such a nice way that you described it. And we're just, we just live in such a day and age where we're always looking to the next place, aren't we there? And we just completely miss the journey and the beauty of the journey. And it's just right there all the time. Has there been anything on your journey that's really helped you along the way, like giving you a real push, whether it be a person or an investment or an experience yeah. that may, that that gave you a kick? Yeah, for sure. A kick I mentioned or a that pull. story. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mentioned that story when um, I was sitting in that kirtan 10, 15 years ago, um, and you know I went up to the person who was leading it and I said, "What did you do there? What the hell went on?" So that person is now my guru. Mm. Oh, you you still know them? Yeah, you you I know still them. Know him. He's, he's a German Swami. He goes yeah. by the name Sachinandana Swami, mm. and um, lives in Germany. Yeah, lives in Germany. Lives in uh, an hour and a half out from Berlin. And, and did, uh, did yeah. you stay connected with him all those years, or did you reconnect yeah. once you'd established? Oh, you stayed connected completely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So from that moment, what happened afterwards? He kind of told me, um, "Just walk with me." And so I walked with him for half an hour. Oh wow. Uh, as a 16 year old just walked with him 16. and just kind of just pulling along and we were talking having a conversation in the night he thought you and, were 25 <laughs> didn't he <laughs> <laughs> probably um and yeah it just opened my eyes i just felt like this is someone who really has you know live he lives what he speaks he's not just chatting mm. it he's not just saying all these mm. beautiful words and then not living it and so i tested him for 10 years where i just kept popping into his life just to see <laughs> just he's still the same person is he, is he really you know living all, all that he's speaking about and um, i still I'm, I'm totally enchanted by him just can't yeah can't fathom how someone can be like that well, and what does he do what where is he what does he do yeah so he's a bhakti yoga teacher who has been practicing for the last 50 years since the 70s 
And uh, he now travels the world giving seminars on kirtan, on chanting, on a bhakti lifestyle, on living a devotional lifestyle. Um, yeah, just a holistic approach to life. And um, he attracts 10 times the kind of people that I attract. So Incredible. You know, I'm sure we must have seen him somewhere or heard about him. Yeah, without, yeah. Without... See, the thing with all these personalities, they're really not the social media kind of guys. No, Indeed. that's no. it. You know, that's the problem nowadays. We only see people that are doing something who are doing something on Instagram or TikTok. Or, and we're, we're lazy, aren't we, to actually search beyond that? Fully, yeah. And even I think nowadays we get to a point where if we want to know anything about anyone, mm. Google often isn't the first port of call. It's no. often Instagram. Instagram. Yeah, you we, can see that person we want to video. see their face see their videos right. see how they speak not read their wikipedia want right. to get an idea of who they are right. straight away so are, do you use social media or to, to what degree do you use it you said at the start you're kind of late yeah. late a late bloomer <laughs> <laughs> yeah. totally um i mean i've got all the platforms um but i'm still figuring out how they all work mm. um but I think it's beautiful. Like, you know, this, this wouldn't be possible without the current world situation with this whole Corona thing, mm. um, that we would be speaking in this way. And I, th I see it as kind of an opportunity to, to engage with a whole other community that's out there, a whole spectrum of people that, uh, ordinarily would never be able to turn up to an event. And I'm sure you probably experienced that as well with your yoga classes mm. that you're streaming online, that there's a whole world of people out there that you never knew existed mm. until now. No, exactly. And it's, it's so, when I first, you know, I travel around a lot. When mm. I did the first live class, and I don't really use yeah. Instagram Live ever, but just to see the countries popping, everyone started to say what country Crazy. they were from. It's amazing, wasn't it? It's absolutely remarkable. Uh, yeah. And just so wonderful to bring people together. But how do you find social media? Yeah, do you find and it a challenge? In terms of being authentic through it? Because mm. yeah. it's a useful I mean, I've, tool. I've commonly said this. Yeah, I've commonly said that, I mean, please don't take any offense by this, but I've commonly said that Instagram, Facebook, and all social media platforms are almost a personification of envy. Mm. That is you just trying to trump everybody else's or trying to see how you can attract more attention. Mm -hmm. And so it's like a personification of, yeah, I want to be better than everybody else. Self-validation. Uh, in one sense. Yeah, and validation, I think right. It's working out intention, isn't it? Yeah, and I right. say this, you know, I I, I do trainings, uh, and, yeah. and and I t might touch on marketing when I teach these trainings, and mm. I say like, when you come to social media, who do you want to actually attract? Surely, mm. what you're trying to do is educate people on what you, you know, on your thing in in the context mm. of it, it's educate people about yoga, with the mm. aim that they might then come to your class, you know, mm. be interested in what you're doing, and they'll come to your class and learn from you in person or online or when you visit that country. But surely that is the intention. The intention surely isn't to make people think you're good. Like, you know, no matter how cool you look in topless photos, mm. that, yeah. <laughs> has, has anyone ever really said, you know what I really want from my yoga teacher? Them to look really hot. Like, mm. may, you know, maybe a teenage boy has said that. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. And, yes, and I put photos on sometimes of me practicing without a top on. But my driving no. force is to get uh, people to a class. I want people to come and meet me somehow to a class yeah. and get them on the mat and then the yoga yeah. can take place from there. Yeah. And it's interesting how we use these tools. And I think, you know, when I first started social media, so many people were very critical of me saying it's not real yoga, that's just a pose. Most of these people mm. are now using social media. Right. And my view is whatever tool, right. to a degree, whatever tool it takes to get people to practice, yes. fine. That could be doing yoga in a shop window for Lululemon. It could be, mm. ideally not, but it could be goat yoga. 
you know, <laughs> the thing. If if, <laughs> if 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 someone does that as their access point, and it then allows them to think, oh, this is kind of interesting. Yes. Maybe I go to an actual class, and it might take them a year. Yes. If someone needs to do yoga that is cardio driven with pop music uh, mm. and people are wearing makeup before class fine and they mm. might do that for years and they might actually get more from it over time so i think it's it's this interesting one but i think our job is to try and pull people in initially yeah, yeah trick yeah, them yeah. slightly <laughs> maybe I mean, that was that was my resistance like i kind of felt like why should i do it why should i do it and then my wife reminded me of this principle in the vedic literatures which is called yukta vairagya which means that you can use anything in service, mm. everything and anything. It's like, what's what's evil, right? The gun or the person holding the gun. Mm. What's more evil? And then, but then you think about the leaflets you did at the start. No, you mm. had essentially a motivational quote on the leaflet. Right, right. You right, were right, offering right. people something, food. Like mm. we, all these tools can be used in a good or bad way. There are Ali. photos of BKSE Engar that were used in part to educate and to inform and to advertise. Uh, you know, there were mm. videos of him teaching classes, uh, black, not, not just more recent, but in history. Mm. You know, ev everyone has used these t whatever tools are available to them in some way Absolutely. in order to hopefully spread education. Of course, you can use it in negative ways and yeah, you can be disingenuine and you can drive insecurities, etc. But I, th I think any tool, can, as you say, can be used in a good or bad way. I think people yeah, often yeah. have a problem with them. Um, I know I face this difficulty in thinking, oh, I'm, I'm showing off, you know, and they don't like the thought of um, selling something. But yeah, right. I think you just got to get yourself out of the way. That's just ego talking, isn't it? It's like yeah, if you yeah, have yeah. a gift and you've got something to offer, it's selfish to not yeah. offer that in whatever way you can to the world. And every time I have resistance to posting and I think, oh, is that a bit, you know, too much about me? I think this isn't about me. This is about, I have something to say. This could help one person, like you said, you know, it might be just one person mm. that sends out a big ripple to the rest of the world. And it's my duty to serve and do that. And again, it comes back to your why, doesn't mm. it? Why are you doing this? And then when money gets involved, it becomes a little bit more complex. Right. I, I do sometimes paid advertisements. Because yeah. like essentially I've, I've created a, bill, a billboard <laughs> full of people that are interested in kind of what I do. But even then- I mean, I, I really appreciate that. You know, when I saw you guys um, Instagram and I saw that you're doing, you did something that was completely different to everybody else. You were offering free classes essentially on Instagram, mm. but you were honest and you said, look, this is my means of living. This is the way <laughs> I, I, I live, you know? So please be generous and kindly give through my Monzo. And I was like, look, this is a guy that's just straight up. And do you know what? That was one of the reasons why I reached out to you guys to say, can we please Aww. do something oh, nice. on IG? Because I was like, these are people that I can relate to. They're just straight up and they're using the tool for what it is. Mm. And they're offering something. And if they're not forcing anyone to pay, it's not that they're sending only a Zoom link. Mm. It's Indeed, we're yeah. offering free classes on Instagram for anyone yeah. in the world to tune in. And if you appreciate it, if you see value in this, then please drop us yeah, a donation. It feels like a nicer and way to do things. Yeah, it is. It's, it's being more open, open book mm, policy. You yeah. kind of, as opposed to trying to hide it behind, you know, a, a link behind a link behind a link. Yeah. You know, it's, it's just being straight up about it. And uh, I appreciate that. And then oh, and having thanks. different platforms. Like we have the platform that's behind a paywall. Yeah. So we have that and we have transparent Use everything. That exists. Use everything. Yeah. And, I, and I think it's, it's you, can, you, you can do it in a way where you can have integrity and still make yeah. money and still make a living out of it. Because you know, we all live in a world where, 
You know, we're not in ashrams where people are going to give us donations constantly in our lives. We live in cities of expensive, by instruments sort of expensive, mm -hmm. uh, do oh, trainings that are expensive. <laughs> yeah, we, we, yeah, we bought a harmonium recently as well. Oh, this is something that we need to speak about at some point. The harmonium. Future. Yeah, we've got we've got one from uh, jazz. Is it? No, it's jazz, jazz or music. jazz. Yeah, jazz. Yeah, jazz music. Jazz. We've got a few. I've also got on my wall. Uh, this is a side <laughs> point. I've got a hang drum. Mm -hmm. I've wanted one for years, completely enchanted by them. And in a spontaneous moment, I bought one when I was teaching wow. a training in Austria. Had to Do you work. use it during your classes? Mm, I've barely touched it. <laughs> no, the story is, I bought it spontaneously. <laughs> like I played it on this Austrian lunchtime on a Saturday where everything closes yeah. just afterwards. I was like, oh my God, I have to buy it. I've wanted one for so long. I've got some money. I'm going to make money on this training. Bought it. Then had to work out how on earth I get it home. Like no case. <laughs> Of course, it's huge, super Classic. super yeah, vulnerable, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and I'm, I'm going to use this opportunity to start to play it because it is a it's a yeah. wonderful instrument. In uh, I've got it in D minor, yeah, yeah. D minor, but I've got this opportunity now. Anyway, we've got some quick fire questions for you. Go for it. We're almost on an hour now. That's Holly, do you want do you want to fire away with the first question? You like to do uh, that. All right. Well, as you are um, a kirtan leader, do you have a yes. uh, mantra that you kind of live, like an anchor that you will come back to if you ever find yourself kind of off balance? Have you got a mantra or a philosophy that you kind of come back to? Ooh, my favorite mantra is the Maha Mantra, the Hare Krishna Mantra. you got to sing it now. Because <laughs> it invokes uh, love and devotion and... Um, yeah, it opens the heart very, very quickly. So that's mm. my and mantra for any time, any moment. And it's pretty, as, as leading it in a kirtan, it's pretty accessible for a lot of people, isn't it? They've heard yeah, it totally. somewhere before mm. and it can go. Mm. But equally, I think at the same time, it can ostracize people and be like, oh my God, yeah, we're, yeah. are we one of those people now? Are we, we going to shave we... up and wear orange robes? Yeah, no, no. <laughs> what, is, there any, is there any particular mantra you think the rhythm works really well? Uh, like I'm trying to think of lines that I really love. Like, bono, bono, mm. hanu, man. I love that. <laughs> I like... Uh, it always flows well. Always gets people going. There's mm. this one mantra, JJ Radha Ramana Haribo. Oh, yes. Um, yeah, I'll send yeah. it to you I guys I can recognize later. that. No, we, yeah. But we, every we, time we've done it, yeah, we've we've it. We, know, yeah. we know it. People get up and start dancing and start <laughs> so good. getting moving. And so every time I sing it, it's like one of those go-tos for me. Mm. Right, next question. Yeah. Is there any, we're asking a lot of people this, any this recent recent thing you've purchased that has offered you value? Not super expensive, like less than £100, but anything you've purchased recently that's kind of offered you value in what you do that you would like recommend? Anything that I've purchased recently? I'm a pretty basic kind of guy, so I, don't, mm. I haven't got many kirtan-related stuff. I've got the harmonium, which is expensive. Oh, I'd say a cushion. There's this really nice... <laughs> <laughs> I like but this. For those that are sitting on the grounds for hours at a time, Holly, I'm sure you probably experienced this mm -hmm. as well, to get a good, solid yeah. uh, bean-filled cushion. Bean-filled. Uh, you need filled. <laughs> the foam one has never worked, do they? Foam one's which always one? Kind of because I, I think I need a new cushion. I'll send you a link for one that you can uh, check can, out. Can we, can, you, can we share, send it to us and we'll share it on the show share notes. Share it on the notes. For sure. I'll do awesome. That. One more question for me and then Holly will ask the final one. Can I it, ask one first then you ask because yes. I feel like mine's going to be silly. What's your favourite thing to spread on toast? Ooh, I like Nutella. Yes. Good answer. Okay, for me then. I will let, let's, end on, <laughs> let's end on this one. Okay. What, is there anything you would like to do more of? in your life yeah, that you a, don't have the one. space to do now due to sacrifices and work 
mm. I'd like to read more. Mm. I'd like um, to spend more time with literature that um, connects to me, not kind of too much philosophical. I'm talking about anything that kind of makes me feel more grounded, more humble. Mm. Uh, that's the kind of lit- if there's any kind of suggestions, please, guys, drop me a link of anything, any notes. But I'm, I'm really looking right now during this whole Corona thing to just spend more time with a book. And even if that just means just touching it like right now, mm. got in my hands that I What's started that? reading is called Selected Verses from the Vedic Scriptures. But do you do, do you want something that is a, a bit of an escape from that slightly different angles? Um, yeah, maybe. Have you read maybe. have you read any of uh, the Stoics? At all. No, I haven't. So, uh, re- really similar to a lot of Hindu philosophy in, at its core, and a lot of Buddhist philosophy as well, to a degree. Uh, so, Seneca was one of the, f- the, the famous Stoics, uh, mm-hmm. and Seneca wrote one that should be wonderful for you, based on what we've talked about on the shortness of life. Uh, so, basically, any, any book you you would find from Seneca. So, he wrote lots of letters. Uh, mm-hmm. to one of his friends but also he's a, a long essay or treaty on the shortness of life uh mm. could be a really wonderful one one to read do you ever read any fiction or is, or is it always um sort of educational i used to as a young boy um but i just i, I find that my yeah where, where the time. taste is the energy flows you know yeah exactly so. Right. I mean, Amazing. if I sat myself in front of Harry Potter, I'd probably be able to do it again. Oh, um, yes. Otherwise, yeah, don't, Love a don't bit really. of Harry. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for your time you, today. And wh- where are we sending people? So in terms of your social media, your events, your, your events mm-hmm. are all so based you in London? Anything, yeah, if you want to do, if you want to check out anything that we're doing, um, even in the online space, it's either at Radhika underscore Das. Mm. That's D-A-S-A at the end or at Kirtan London on all the platforms. Um, we should be all there. Right, we will share all of that. Is it, is it, oh, I was going to say, is there any events coming up soon? But weird situations. What's this online on stuff you're doing? So just talk a little bit about the online stuff you're offering at the moment. Mm. So on Instagram, um, I'm going live pretty much every day with different, different people from across the world, from Bhakti, Yoga, Kirtan communities. And um, yeah, it's basically a chance for us to just take a moment to reflect on all the things that are happening in the world, but also all our successes, uh, all our kind of spiritual deeper um, tastes. We're kind of just fleshing it out. We're taking this opportunity just to speak to people that ordinarily we're all too busy scheduled in. To yeah. Do, so. Awesome. Thanks so much for your Thank time. You it's so been much. an absolute Please. pleasure. Honestly, I'm balanced.